0: chapter thirty three of the sword of damocles by anna catherine green this librivox recording is in the public domain two letters i have no other but a woman's reason i think him so because i think him so two gentlemen of verona a woman who has submitted to the undivided attentions of a gentleman for any length of time feels herself more or less bound to him whether any special words of devotion have passed between them or not, particularly if, from sensitiveness of nature, she has manifested any pleasure in his society. Paula therefore felt as if her wings had been caught in a snare, when Mr. Ensign, upon leaving her that evening, put a small note in her hand, saying that he would do himself the pleasure of calling for his reply the next day. She did not need to open it. She knew intuitively the manly honest words with which he would be likely to offer his heart and life for her acceptance. Yet she did open it almost as soon as she reached her room, sitting down in her outside wraps for the purpose. She was not disappointed. Every line was earnest, ardent and respectful. A true love and a happy, cheerful home awaited her, if, the stupendous meaning latent in an if. With folded hands lying across the white page, with glance fixed on the fire always kept burning brightly in the grate, she sat querying her own soul and the awful future. He was such a charming companion. Life had flashed and glimmered with a thousand lights and colors since she knew him. His very laugh made her want to sing. With him she would move in sunshiny paths, open to the regard of all the world, giving and receiving good. Life would need no veils and love no check. A placid stream would bear her on through fields of smiling verdure. Dread hopes, strange fears, uneasy doubts, and vague unrests would not disturb the heart that rested its faith upon his frank and manly bosom. A breeze blew through his life that would sweep all such evils from the path of her who walked in trust and love by his side. In trust and love, ah, that was it. She trusted him, but did she love him? At one time she had been convinced that she did, else these past few weeks would have owned a different history. He came upon her so brightly amid her gloom, filled her days with such genial thoughts, and drew the surface of her soul so unconsciously after him. It was like a zephyr sweeping over the sea, every billow that leaps to follow seems to own the power of that passing wind but could she think so now since she had found that the mere voice and look of another man had power to awaken depths such as she could not name and scarcely as yet had been able to recognize that though the billows might flow under the genial smile of her young lover The tide rose only at the call of a deeper voice and a more imposing presence. She was a thinking spirit, and recoiled from yielding too readily to any passing impulse. Love was a sacrament in her eyes, something entirely too precious to be accepted in counterfeit. She must know the secret of her inclinations must weigh the influence that swayed her for once given over to earth's sublimest passion she felt that it would have power to sweep her on to an eternity of bliss or suffering she therefore forced herself to probe deep into the past and pitilessly asked her conscience what her emotions had been in reference to mr sylvester "'before she positively knew that love for her as a woman "'had taken the place of his former fatherly regard. "'Her blushing cheek seemed to answer for her. "'Right or wrong, her life had never been complete "'away from his presence. "'She was lonesome and unsatisfied. "'When Mr. Ensign came, "'she thought her previous unrest was explained.' but the letter from sicily describing mr sylvester as sick and sorrowful had withdrawn the veil from the delusion and though it had settled again with mr sylvester's studied refusal to accept her devotion was by this evening's betrayal utterly wrenched away and trampled into oblivion by every wild throb of her heart at the sound of his voice in her ear by every outreaching of her soul to enter into his every mood, by the deep sensation of rest she felt in his presence and the uneasy longing that absorbed her in his absence, she knew that she loved Mr. Sylvester as she never could his younger, blither, and perhaps nobler rival. Each word spoken by him lay treasured in her heart of hearts when she thought of manly beauty his face and figure started upon her from the surrounding shadows making all romance possible and poetry the truest expression of the human soul while she lived he must ever seem the man of men to charm the eye affect the heart and move the soul Yet she hesitated. Why? There is nothing so hard to acknowledge to ourselves As the presence of a blemish in the character of those we love and long to revere. It was like giving herself to the rack to drag from its hiding place And confront in all its hideous deformity The doubt which, unconfessed perhaps, Had of late mingled with her great reverence and admiring affection For this not easily to be comprehended man. But in this momentous hour she had power to do it. Conscience and self-respect demanded that the image Before which she was ready to bow with such abandon Should be worthy her worship. She was not one who could carry offerings to a clouded shrine. She must see the glory shining from between the cherubim. I must worship with my spirit as well as with my body. And how can I do that if there is a spot on his manhood or a false note in his heart? If I did but know the secret of his past, why the prisoner sits in the dungeon, he is gentle he is kindly he loves goodness and strives to lead me in the paths of purity and wisdom and yet something that is not good or pure clings to him which he has never been able to shake loose i perceive it in his melancholy glance i catch its accents in his uneven tones It rises upon me from his most thoughtful words, And makes his taking of a vow Fearfully and warningly significant. Yet how much he is honoured by his fellow-men, And with what reliance they look up to him For guidance and support. If I only knew the secrets of his heart, thought she. It was a trembling scale, that hung balancing in that young girl's hand that night. On one side, frankness, cheerfulness, manly worth, honest devotion, and a home with every adjunct of peace and prosperity. On the other, love, gratitude, longing, admiration, and a dark shadow enveloping all called doubt. The scale would not adjust itself. It tore her heart to turn from Mr. Sylvester. It troubled her conscience to dismiss the thought of Mr. Ensign. The question was yet undecided when she rose and began putting away her ornaments for the night. What was there on her dressing table that made her pause with such a start and cast that look of half-beseeching inquiry at her own image in the glass, only another envelope with her name written upon it. But the way in which she took it in her hand, and the half-guilty air with which she stole back with it to the fire, would have satisfied any looker-on, I imagine, that conscience or no conscience, debate or no debate, The writer of these lines had gained a hold upon her heart which no other could dispute. It was a compactly written note and ran thus. A man is not always responsible for what he does in moments of great suspense or agitation. But if, upon reflection, he finds that he has spoken harshly or acted unwisely, it is his duty to remedy his fault and therefore it is that i write you this little note paula i love you not as i once did with a fatherly longing and a protective delight but passionately yearningly and entirely with the whole force of my somewhat disappointed life as a man loves for whom the world has dissolved leaving but one creature in it and that a woman i showed you this too plainly tonight i have no right to startle or intimidate your sweet soul into any relation that might hereafter curb or dissatisfy you if you can love me freely with no back lookings to any younger lover left behind Know that nought you could bestow Can ever equal the world of love and feeling Which I long to lavish upon you From my heart of hearts. But if another has already won upon your affections Too much for you to give an undivided response to my appeal, Then by all the purity and innocence of your nature Forget I have ever marred the past or disturbed the present by any word warmer than that of a father. I shall not meet you at breakfast, and possibly not at dinner tomorrow, but when evening comes, I shall look for my soul's dearer and better half, or my childless manhood's nearest and most cherished friend, as God pleaseth, and your own heart and conscience shall decree edward sylvester miss belinda was very much surprised to be awakened early the next morning by a pair of loving arms clasped yearningly about her neck looking up she descried paula kneeling beside her bed in the faint morning light her cheeks burning and her eyelids drooping and guessing perhaps how it was started up from her recumbent position with an energy strongly suggestive of the charger that smells the battle afar off what has happened she asked you look as if you had not slept a wink for reply paula pulled aside the curtain at the head of her bed and slipped into her hand mr ensign's letter miss belinda read it conscientiously through with many grunts of approval and having finished it, laid it down with a significant nod, after which she turned and surveyed Paula with keen but cautious scrutiny. "'And you don't know what answer to give?' she asked. "'I should,' said Paula. "'If—' "'Oh, aunt, you know what stands in my way. "'I have seen it in your eyes for some time. "'There is someone else.' But he has not spoken, vigorously ejaculated her aunt. Without answering, Paula put into her hand, with a slow reluctance she had not manifested before, a second little note, and then hid her head amid the bedclothes, waiting with quickly beating heart for what her aunt might say. She did not seem in haste to speak But when she did, her words came with a quick sigh that echoed very drearily in the young girl's anxious ears. You have been placed by this in a somewhat painful position. I sympathize with you, my child. It is very hard to give denial to a benefactor. Paula's head drew nearer to her aunt's breast. Her arms crept round her neck. "'But must I?' she breathed. Miss Belinda knitted her brows with great force and stared severely at the wall opposite. "'I am sorry there is any question about it,' she replied. Paula started up and looked at her with sudden determination. "'Aunt,' said she, "'what is your objection to Mr. Sylvester?' Miss Belinda shook her head, And pushing the girl gently away, hurriedly arose and began dressing with great rapidity. Not until she was entirely prepared for breakfast did she draw Paula to her and prepare to answer her question. My objection to him is that I do not thoroughly understand him. I am afraid of the skeleton in the closet, Paula. I never feel at ease when I am with him. Much as I admire his conversation and appreciate the undoubtedly noble instincts of his heart, his brow is not open enough to satisfy an eye which has accustomed itself to the study of human nature. He has had many sorrows, Paula faintly exclaimed, stricken by this echo of her own doubts. Yes, returned her aunt, "'and sorrow bows the head and darkens the eye, "'but it does not make the glance wavering "'or its expression mysterious. "'Some sorrows might,' urged Paula tremulously, "'arguing as much with her own doubts "'as with those of her aunt. "'His have been of no ordinary nature. "'I have never told you, aunt, "'but there were circumstances attending cousin Ona's death "'that made it especially harrowing. "'He had a stormy interview with her "'the very morning she was killed. "'Words passed between them, "'and he left her with a look "'that was almost desperate. "'When he next saw her, "'she lay lifeless and inert before him. "'I sometimes think that the shadow "'that fell upon him at that hour "'will never pass away. "'Do you know what was the subject "'of their disagreement?' Asked Miss Belinda anxiously. No, but I have reason to believe it had something to do with business affairs, as nothing else could ever arouse cousin Ona into being at all disagreeable. I don't like that phrase, business affairs. Like charity, it covers entirely too much. Have you never had any doubts yourself about Mr. Sylvester? Ah, you touch me to the quick, aunt. I may have had my doubts, but when I look back on the past I cannot see as they have any very substantial foundation. Supposing, aunt, that he has been merely unfortunate, and I should live to find that I had discarded one whose heart was darkened by nothing but sorrow, I should never forgive myself, nor could life yield me any recompense. That would make amends for a sacrifice so unnecessary you love him then very dearly paula a sudden light fell on the young girl's face hearts cannot tell their love said she but since i received this letter from him it has seemed as if my life hung balancing on the question as to whether he is worthy of a woman's homage If he is not, I would give my life to have him so. The world is only dear to me now as it holds him. Miss Belinda picked up Mr. Ensign's letter with trembling fingers. I thought you were safe when the younger man came to woo, said she. Girls, as a rule, prefer what is bright to what is sombre and Mr. Ensign is truly a very agreeable as well as worthy young man. Yes, aunt, and he came very near stealing my heart, as he undoubtedly did my fancy, but a stronger hand snatched it away, and now I do not know what to do or how to act so as to awaken in the future no remorse or vain regrets. Miss Belinda opened the letters again and consulted their contents in a matter-of-fact way. Mr. Ensign proposes to come this afternoon for his answer, while Mr. Sylvester defers seeing you till evening. What if I seek Mr. Sylvester this morning, and have a little conversation with him, which shall determine, for once and all, the question which so troubles us? Would you not find it easier to meet Mr. Ensign when he comes?' you talk to mr sylvester and upon such a topic oh i could not bear that pardon me aunt but i think i am more jealous of his feelings than of my own if his secret can be learned in a half hour's talk it must be listened to by no one but myself and i believe it can she murmured reverently he is so tender of me he would never let me go blindfold into any path concerning which i had once expressed anxiety if i ask him whether there is any good reason before god or man why i should not give him my entire faith and homage he will answer honestly though it be the destruction of his hopes to do so have you such trust as that in his uprightness as a lover and the guardian of your happiness. Have not you, aunt?" And Miss Belinda, remembering his words on the occasion of his first proposal to adopt Paula, was forced to acknowledge that she had. So without further preliminaries it was agreed upon that Paula should refrain from making a final decision until she had eased her heart by an interview with mr sylvester meantime you can request mr ensign to wait another day for his answer said miss belinda but paula with a look of astonishment shook her head is it you who would counsel me to such a piece of coquetry as that said she no dear aunt my heart is not with mr ensign as you know and it is impossible for me to encourage him "'If Mr. Sylvester should prove unworthy of my affection, "'I must bear, as best I may, the loss which must accrue. "'But till he does, let me not dishonour my womanhood "'by allowing hope to enter, even for a passing moment, "'the breast of his rival.' "'Miss Belinda blushed and drew her niece fondly towards her. "'You are right,' said she and my great desire for your happiness has led me into error. Honesty is the noblest adjunct of all true love, and must never be sacrificed to considerations of selfish expediency. The refusal which you contemplate bestowing upon Mr. Ensign must be forwarded to him at once. And with a final embrace, in which Miss Belinda allowed herself to let fall some few natural tears of disappointment, she dismissed the young girl to her task. End of chapter 33